Hello and welcome to the NBA Next podcast presented by Track. I am Scott Allen and I'm joined by Keith Smith. We are here to talk about what is next financially in the NBA. Keith, we have quite the gambit here today of uh, player contract information, some lottery stuff, and then three team previews uh, for the offseason to go through. So we've got quite the uh, docket here. Hope you're excited and ready to dive into this. I am. It's uh, This is like the craziest time of the year for guys like you and I who are trying to still watch and cover very, very meaningful games while prepping uh, the, the vast majority of the league for the offseason and uh, getting into what it might look like with all that. And then, you know, throwing little things like, you know, $600 million potentially in all NBA consequences and things like that. It, it all adds up to a very fun, exciting and busy time. Yeah, let's dive into that first. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, all NBA implications of uh, their upcoming next contracts. You, you've written about the Jalen Brown situation, and then once the all NBA hit, you ended up doing a, a updated piece on what they could now make now that they've been on the all NBA team. Let's start with uh, Jalen Brown first because he – you know, he's more at the forefront of, uh, you know, it, with the extension that could happen sooner than the Jason Tatum. So now that Jalen Brown has the all NBA nod, what are we looking at as far as finances for him coming up in, with this off season? Yeah. So he's got one year left under contract. And that, that I just always want to call that out because it's, I, I think, it's getting missed a little bit in some of the work others are doing talking about this situation. So he's got one more yet, one more year left at thirty one point eight million. Then he will be a free agent as of right now in the summer of twenty twenty four. But because he made All NBA, the uh, Celtics can give him the designated veteran extension, or you know what people call the supermax deal. Uh, as an extension that allows him to jump from the 30% of the cap tier to the 35% of the cap tier. And that would start at roughly $50 million. I'm going to note here, these are all projections because we obviously don't know what the cap will be yet for the uh, 2024, 25 season, Um, but $50 million. And that will rise to roughly $290 million um, over the life of the five-year deal um, on that supermax deal couple things that are important to note with that. He can only get that from the Celtics. You are only Supermax eligible uh, from with the team that drafted you or if you were acquired uh, while on your rookie scale contract. So in the first four years of your career, um, other than that, you're not eligible to to jump up to, to those uh, max tiers like that. So that's only with the Celtics. Doesn't matter if they were to trade him or whatever. So, my guess is uh, midnight on July 1st, when they're able to offer him uh, this extension, that gets uh, dropped in his lap officially. And the Celtics more or less put it on Jalen Brown to decide, are you signing it, signing it or not? And where are we going from here? Yeah, y- your point on he still is under contract for this upcoming year is a, is a super important part because Every so often, I'll be like, I think he has a player option. And then I go and look, and he doesn't have the player option. So for some reason, I keep thinking he has one, but he doesn't. So that that's an important information with that. Uh, as far as the uh, the midnight time frame, just get it done. <laughs> I yep. mean, at this point, let, let's not uh, get all 
you know, tricky and, and try to outsmart themselves. Boston just needs to lock it up and deal with that consequence from a financial standpoint later. Now, they also have to offer it because from a fan base, if you don't offer it after the season that they, they're having right now, again, with back-to-back getting deep into these playoffs and potentially into the finals, um, you know, it, it's going to be – from the fan base, I can guess they're they're going to be arms up and you know pitchforks and you know rioting or whatever it might be. As far as why are you not locking this guy up? We have two superstars uh, on our team and we're flourishing. Now, if he comes back and says, "Nope, I want to go to another team," then you've at least done your due diligence as far as offering that maximum salary. Yeah, and it's, you know, to that last part, that's also an important data point for the Celtics to have. If if he waffles and says, nah, I don't want to sign it or I want to see how things play out, it's not like he can earn more money, right? This is already basically saying we're going to give you the absolute most anyone can, and we are the only team that can give you 35% of the salary cap. And that's, so even if that 50 million, even if he signs it today, what he's really signing is a deal that agrees to pay him 35% of the cap that projects to 50 million. But if the cap goes up more than expected, that could end up being you know, 52 or 53 million or something in that range. So it's always going to be the most that he can get, um, you know, from the Celtics. If he says no and doesn't want to do that, then that sets off the alarm bells, right? And that's, you know, like get the flashing red lights and the sirens and everything else. And you probably need to consider trading him uh, almost regardless of how this next uh, uh, you know month or so of the season wraps up for the Celtics with a title or not, because your challenge at that point becomes, hey, we like. He, if he's not signing for the absolute most we can offer him, which even if you compared four years to four years is still $40 million more, never mind being over a hundred million dollars more. If you add in the fifth year, the Celtics can give him that no other team can. So in that case, if he doesn't want that, then that's a pretty good sign that he's out and he doesn't want to be there. And that opens that up. My guess is how this will play out is they will offer it. The minute they're able to, he will agree to it and then they'll sign it. It, You know, a few days later when the moratorium ends, he'll sign that extension. That'll lock him in. And because it's the NBA, if in a year or two he's not happy, then, you know, we'll we'll approach trade uh, conversations at that point. That's just how this stuff works out. I've made my peace with it, like it or not. That's just really how it goes. Yeah, and that's a good point, too. If he does lock in, he can't be traded for a year. So Correct. he would at least be locking in all of that money. Whereas I guess the question is, can Jalen Brown, if he doesn't want to be there, can he just take the money and suck it up for another year and then (laughs) demand a trade like we've seen with other superstars and then go from there. But you're right. If there is any waffling and he doesn't want to sign that maximum, you have to trade him immediately. Uh, You, you cannot wait, especially if if it is at midnight and he says no, and then the uh, all these other players are starting to sign or signing trades or whatever, and you miss the boat on that, then you then you have to wait at least until probably December when all of the free agent trade restrictions are lifted. So yeah, is, and to be 
No, sorry to interrupt you, but to be clear, Midnight's when they can officially offer it. We know how this is going to go, right? They'll have a a really good sense by the time the negotiation window opens at, you know, whatever, 6 o'clock on the 30th. They'll know if, you know, all right, Jim Brown is sending signals. He doesn't want to sign that Supermax uh, offer. Well, you know, then then they'll know by then. But, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, semantics of when it can be offered. But to your point, yeah, you have to move and have that, that thing because otherwise anything you want to do you may miss miss out on that window because we know that negotiating window opens at at 6 p.m officially now unofficially teams will have had plenty of conversations let's say ahead of that window but that's when it really opens and we know most of the you know major free agents and the money will be off the board within a day you know of that window opening so you really can't delay that at all you know if you're the celtics especially if you're looking at all right we want to make a major trade involving Jalen brown you probably need to, to get that moving you know sooner rather than later but again that seems like maybe a five to ten percent chance at most i think you know 90 95 maybe even 99 percent he's just going to accept that offer and go i mean he's on a title contender and like i said if two years from now things aren't going great and he doesn't want to be there he'll just ask for a trade you know, and then then we'll we'll see how it plays out at that point. So you you brought up the six hundred million out of the gate there. So the other half of that six hundred million comes from the Jason Tatum All NBA nod. So what are the details as far as how much can he make? When can he sign? When will that go into effect? What are all the details with that? Yeah, so Tatum, because it's important to remember, he's a year behind Brown, and he also signed a full five-year extension where Brown uh, did a four-year initially. What Where Tatum is at is Tatum is um, scheduled for, uh, he, well, let me rephrase. He has two years left uh, on his current contract before we even start getting into to the this level of discussion for him at 32.6 million next year and then 34.8 million the year after then he has a player option in the 25 26 season what he can do now is he can effectively decline that player option for the 25 26 season and then he can add the years onto his deal which would be um, five years because remember this would be kicking in with the 25, 26 season. So he'd add five years and roughly 308 million or so starting salary of 53 million ending salary. This is where writing these numbers out, like really jumps off the page. $70 million in the uh, summer of 2930 is what uh, he, he would be on the cap for. That's 35% with the 8% raises. Probably a player option, just like with Brown on that that final season. Um, They'd likely both get that. Now, the reason he's eligible for that, just to make it clear, he's already hit the the criteria of making All-NBA for the past two seasons. And in order to be eligible, you have to be All-NBA either the immediate season prior to signing the extension or for two of the prior three seasons. So he's made it 
now, obviously, two of the prior three seasons. So he's already eligible. So yeah, uh, five years, three hundred eight million ish in that range. Again, that's probably somewhat conservative. That probably uh, does rise and go up at least a little bit. I'm off of that. So yeah, big, big time money for the Celtics. Six hundred million dollars, uh, roughly wrapped up in their two uh, star wing players if they sign both to the uh, de- uh, designated veteran extensions. Yeah, I'll say it again. Just do it. Lock it up. Don't get all fancy. Uh, don't outsmart yourselves. Just pay pay it now. Deal with it later, especially yeah. with the rising cap and everything, uh, you know, the media rights that'll come in. We talked about the cap smoothing, but as far as that, yeah, and, and we've talked about in a previous episode of the maximum salaries and is there going to be a tipping point and you you brought it up 70 million in 29 to 30 if he, he does sign this and that's just a, a a hard estimate based on you know two years out from when where the cap could be so um from boston's standpoint you've got something special between the two if you can keep that and then still build around them you're going to be a title contender for their, at least the next five years so don't get too fancy with that yeah, a hundred percent agreed. Yeah, you just get it done and go. One, one, just kind of fun reference point on that Tatum number. Uh, Twenty. Uh, that would be in. I'm sorry. That would be in twenty nine thirty. Uh, roughly seventy million. The salary cap the year before this the twenty sixteen spike. So in twenty sixteen, uh, the salary cap went up twenty four million dollars. But the year prior to that, twenty fifteen sixteen. So only you know eight seasons ago, was. $70 million at, you know, for that one year, you know, that's just gives you a sense, right? We're at 70 million for a player eight years later, you know, potentially could be locking into a deal. It's just incredible. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely is incredible. Uh, it, it, and that leads us into, these were both number three overall picks by Boston. That t- leads us into the NBA lottery tonight. So uh, let's transition there. The lottery, Detroit, Houston, San Antonio, all have 14% chance of the number one overall slot. Uh, two questions. First is, who is most likely to benefit from the NBA draft? Even if it's not the number one overall pick, because we obviously know who is the overall favorite to go there. But as a whole, who could benefit the most out of this lottery tonight? Yeah, I mean, without getting into the teams that have very little, you know, 2% or less chance of moving up um, in the lottery, I think if you focus in the top part of it, I think, you know, uh, San Antonio, obviously they, they, they have nice young players, but none really project to be a star. So they're kind of in a spot where, you know, if they can come away from this draft with a star player, uh, or at least star upside potential, that's huge for them, right? That they they would be in a really really good spot uh, if they could come away, you know, with that. I think uh, Detroit, they've got the building blocks in place. Houston, you've got your building blocks in place. Charlotte's in just a very weird spot. Those are kind of the top four um, uh, lottery odd teams. Uh, it's important to know too. I think we get so focused on the number one pick 
but it is the actually the top four picks are decided by the lottery. So um, that you know, there, there's no guarantee any of those teams you know, will even pick in the top four. If four teams jumped up, which would be a nightmare for the Pistons, Rockets, Spurs, and Hornets, um, they they would all get pushed down into the five and, and uh, five through eight range. But I think you know. This is where it is. I think Dallas is in a really weird spot. Dallas absolutely does not want to, or let me rephrase into a better way. They want to see it come out. New Orleans, Toronto, Oklahoma City, and then Chicago with the pick being conveyed to Orlando because that means they stayed in the top 10 and they keep their pick because otherwise they lose that pick to the Knicks. Um, so that that's just something to keep an eye on. But yeah, we, we've got a lot of you know fun stuff. It's such a, you know, uh, become such an event night. So I'm, I'm super excited to watch tonight and see how this all comes together because then we can really get a sense on, all right, this is how things may lay out for the draft and for the soft season for a lot of these teams. From a fun uh, second question here, from a fun standpoint, which team are you hoping lands <laughs> the number one overall spot? I have two. I'm interested to see what you are thinking. Yeah, it's, I, I kind of want to see San Antonio um, get, move up there just because I think, you know, getting them to have that kind of true star level guy in place would be really cool. And then just because they, they've done it once before in franchise history, if Orlando landed back to back number one picks in the lottery, that'd be absolutely incredible. They did it before with Shaquille O'Neal and uh, Chris Weber, who they ultimately traded for Penny Hardaway um, in, in a, bunch of other stuff but yeah if they could do that again with paulo bancaro and victor Wembanyama and all the young talent on that team boy that would be a lot of fun yeah orlando was mine as well just because the like you said the pieces that are already on that team and you plug him in that team's going to be uh league pass watch every night (laughs) that they're on yeah the other one is detroit i think that team with the pieces that they have and we've talked about what they have on that roster. If you can drop that in and get Detroit back to a, uh, you know, a, even close to the playoffs, I think that would be great for the NBA from a, a, a narrative standpoint. But I agree, San, with your San Antonio pick, they've done such a great job with bigs, with Robinson and Duncan, that you throw another big at them. They're they're, it's almost like a shoe in that he's going to be even better than we anticipate right now um so that that's where i stand on those anything else with the nba draft before we dive into these team previews yeah it's just the the draft lottery is just it's like the goofiest silliest thing that i love about this league because it's really a five minute process that they stretch into a whole 30 minute show and you know and, and i every year i just sit there and watch you know completely you know enthralled by the entire thing so it's it you know it's a it's just a lot of fun and it's you know one, one more silly thing to love about this silly uh you know the whole way this league operates all right, looking forward to the NBA draft tonight. I believe that's at 8 a.m. or sorry, 8 p.m. tonight. Um, so if you're listening to this early, then give that a shot and see what you think and see where everything falls. Team previews. We've got the Chicago Bulls, Oklahoma City Thunder, and the Brooklyn Nets today. We're going to start with the Chicago Bulls. Uh, this team is, again, Keith, I don't know what direction they go. They're at that point where do they rip the Band-Aid off or do they not rip the Band-Aid off at least for another year? 
They have uh, Levine locked up. You have DeRozan, who I think, if I remember correctly, had a, a decent season, mm-hmm. uh, at least at the beginning. Lonzo Ball had injury issues, and then he was going to come back, but then things got pushed back, and then he didn't play. Uh, Caruso ended up all NBA or all defensive, so you sort of have a bright spot there. Um, Vucevic, I don't think he's. I don't think the Bulls got out of him what they wanted from that trade. So it'll be interesting to see if he just moves on or he comes back. Kobe White, I guess, is probably a miss. So I just don't know what direction that this front office wants to go. So from your standpoint, what are your thoughts with the Chicago Bulls? Yeah, they, you know, so if we go back a couple years ago, they really came in with the new front office uh, under our Taurus Kurnisovich and basically said, we're going, you know, full bore here. And they went and got Lonzo Ball. They went and got DeMar DeRozan. They, they had Zach Levine already in place. And then later in that season, they kind of doubled down on all that and traded for Nikola Vucevic and traded a pretty nice package of stuff to the magic, including Wendell Carter Jr., who's Orlando's starting center and two first round picks, one of which has already become Franz Wagner. So it's it's in a spot where they went all in and now you're kinda, you know, two years later, we're sitting here with all right, we had one playoff appearance and then got bounced in the playing round. Uh the next year in the playoff appearance wasn't all that great. We got you know eliminated very quickly in the first round. And now DeRozan's in the final year of his contract. Levine has been re-signed to a max deal and he's got, you know, well at, you know, above about, you know, 170 or so million dollars left um, on over four years. Vucevic is already a free agent. Uh, and Lonzo Ball, we don't even know if he'll ever play again. So you're as great as it looked like, you know, two years ago. And, and it's important to note, they were playing really, really great basketball when they were healthy. It had Lonzo Ball on the floor, and then it all just kind of fell apart on them over about a year and a half long window, and they just never got back to being the team that you would know, think everybody hoped that they would be. So now it's you're kind of right back in the same spot you were again. You can run it back, right? You can keep DeRozan. You can re-sign Vucevic. Um, you're going to have to work around Lonzo Ball's contract. You know, we'll, we'll see you know, where that goes. It's you know, that there's some suggestions out there. They're waiting it out for the year to then say, hey, we got to do the you know medical retirement on this and try to get that money wiped off the books. There are some who who believe, all right, this latest procedure is going to get him back on the floor. And then there's a question of Levine is is you know is he worth that you know 170 ish million or so? It's actually about 178 million. Um, over the next four years, or you know, are the knee issues going to be a thing for him? And do we need to, you know, really look at all right, this isn't going to be worth what it is? And then you're basically saying, We're going to hit a hard reset on this. Their problem is, if you do that, you're hoping, All right, let's get out of this with getting the pick, the extra pick we owe to Orlando. Let's get that delivered this, this, uh, uh, you know, draft now because then that frees us up. Uh, a little bit moving forward, but they still owe a pick to um, uh, San Antonio down the line. Now that's only top 10 protected from the DeRozan sign and trade. So the, the asset base is really not great for this Bulls team moving forward. 
No, it really isn't. So even if they wanted to rip it off, they really can't reset themselves via the draft like some of these other teams like Detroit and Houston and you know Oklahoma City, which we're going to get mm-hmm. to. So, yeah, they're in a precarious uh, situation here. So I'm not sure what that, what that direction should be because, you know, it's almost like they sort of just have to run it back one more year just to see – what you can get out of Levine, can DeRozan be what he was, see what the situation with Ball is, um, and and hope that they can bring someone in in free agency or you know trade something to bring uh, a rotational player in there to allow them to have some flexibility on that roster. But I, I really don't know what they do to move forward. Yeah, my guess is that they're going to resign Vucevic. He has he was good for them last season. And it's, you know, as much as he's kind of the borderline all-star kind of guy, um, never really do, do you feel like, yeah, surefire all-star with him, he's still a walking double-double. Like, and that that does have value, right? That that is, you know, something that we we can't really understand. Like last year, you know, seventeen and a half points per game, eleven rebounds. He's not a great defender, but he's also not a complete turnstile back there. But you know, fifty two percent from the floor, thirty five percent from three. Shooting was down a little, but if he picks that back up, you feel fine. So my guess is, you know, yeah, probably the twenty plus million he made a year ago. That's probably the, about the absolute top end that, that I would feel comfortable with with giving him. Um, but then you get into, all right, that gives us Vooch, Levine, and DeRozan. And then what? Right, Patrick Beverly was there at the end of the season. You could, I guess, bring him back in free agency on you know barely team-friendly deal. You've got to do something to shore up the guard position because who knows when we'll actually see ball play if he does play at all. Uh, Io Desunmu is a free agent. Kobe White is a free agent. So, so those guys are you know, probably at least one of the two is going to move on. So you've got to you know firm up that spot. And it can't just be with you know Patrick Beverly, who is if I have this right, yeah, he'll be thirty five at the start of next season. So that can't be you know anything beyond a one year stopgap kind of thing. So it, it, it there are not a lot of great options, but I do think. To your point, the run-it-back option is probably the best of the bunch. All right, so if they do run it back, what are – outside of Vucevic bringing him back, and I agree, he's probably – if you can just bring him back, he is at least, a, 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 like you said, a, a walking double-double. He's a guy that you know you're going to get the production out of, and he's a big man who are, for the most part, hard to come by. So you at least need to bring him back, and if – you sign him to a long-term deal, and then you need to move off of him in two years. Then, then so be it. You can flip him, maybe get a pick or two back for him. Mm-hmm. So, what other areas of need do the does this team need to focus on? Do they need shooters? Do they need uh, passing point guards? Since Ball is, for the most part, we're just going to cross him off for the foreseeable future. What direction should they focus on, whether it's a, it be a, a trade or a free agent acquisition? I I think what you 
you can get by without a passing point guard because Levine and DeRozan are pretty good playmakers for guys who aren't point guards. And Vooch is actually a really good passer who you can run some offense through. So you can get by there. Um, you know, it, it's areas of strength. They're actually, despite, you know, what it might look like with some of the personnel, they were a pretty good defensive team a year ago. They're a great defensive rebounding team. They don't ever foul anybody they for they managed to force a decent amount of turnovers it's offense where it all kind of goes sideways on these guys they never get to the offensive board which is unfortunate unfortunate a little bit for them because they're they're a terrible outside shooting team um so they've got to add a little bit more shooting uh to to the roster now patrick williams he really showed some signs this year. 41% from three, got up to 10 points per game. He's really starting to come into his own defensively. So I think you feel pretty good if you get Vucevic back. All right, we've kind of got our got our core four, five, maybe even six guys if we re-sign one of the guards. Then from there, it's just filling out our depth. We need to have another big um, that can come in and play behind Vucevic. We need to have um, you know at least one more uh, point guard guy in the mix uh, Alex Caruso to your point really good solid player that we can just you know no we're gonna plug in we're gonna get you know 20 25 minutes a night out of him whether he starts or comes off the bench uh and then you know then from there I think it's about shooting 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 just adding more shooting to this roster because Levine's a good shooter when you factor in uh, the the difficulty of some of the shots he has to take for this team, and he still knocks down thirty eight percent from three. But you know you can't go into the year with him and Patrick Williams being your only kind of guys you feel good about uh, hitting outside shots because you get you just got to have more shooting on the roster than that. So I think that's where you focus. You pick off some guys. You may even be able to go get like kind of designated shooters where it's like, hey, we've got the rest covered. We just need you to kind of come in and play. You know, not at obviously the level of a Kyle Corver, but play that Kyle Corver role, right? When you're in the game, your your whole deal is run around and bend the floor towards you. But I think you just your main thing with like Vucevic and that, be sensible with the contract. Either keep it small enough as you re-sign him, or keep it short enough. If it's a year or two as an overpay, it's not the end of the world. You're going to be fine because you're still going to be working around that ball contract at over $20 million for the next two seasons anyway. So you're probably not going anywhere cap space-wise. But if you go longer than that, then you got to knock that number down. That's going to come in you know, in those final couple of years, probably under $20 million, even with the cap going up. So that's just something you know they're going to have to work through and get figured out and sorted through here because it's just in a really um, you know difficult spot for them to be much more than uh, a middle of the pack team as we go into next season. All right, two more things. First is Andre Drummond, Derek Jones Jr. have player options. Should we expect those to be picked up? Yeah, it's they're both in kind of weird spots because they're for slightly more than what they would get on a veteran minimum deal. So that's probably not the biggest factor. My guess is for both guys, it comes down to do we feel like we're going to have a role here? Drummond played you know, a good amount. He kind of fell out of the rotation towards the end of the season when the Bulls prioritized more small ball uh, when Vucevic went to the bench, but still played 67 games, was still, you know, an absolutely dominant rebounder, didn't do, you know, much more than that, and it was scored around the rim a little bit. So we might be looking at him saying, yeah, I can come back, but, you know, he's a guy who is, at this point, he's going to be 30 before the start of next season. 
he's probably someone who will say like, Hey, if I can go somewhere and be a starter on a team where just, they need kind of that, you know, 15 minute a night, play the first, you know, seven, eight minutes each half kind of center. Um, he may want to do that over coming back as a backup uh, there. Jones Jr.'s in a slightly more interesting spot. He, in effect, almost kind of became the backup five um, when they went to the small ball groupings. He's still pretty young. He's only going to be 26 uh, next season. So I think you're really kind of looking at him as, you know, could he go to free agency and hope to get one more decent sized deal? That could happen. That one might, again, be another one where he looks around and says, well, you know what? They didn't do a whole lot in the front court. It's still kind of Vucevic and Williams and not a whole lot else here. Yeah, I'll come back and you know, run it back one more year because I don't know that either one of those guys gets much more than the minimum in unrestricted free agency. Alex Caruso signed a four-year, 36, almost $37 million contract in free agency to come to the Bulls. Uh, he is extension eligible now, point. Uh, Four six million dollars for this upcoming season, twenty four twenty five season. He has only three million guaranteed of the nine point nine million dollar uh, salary that he gets there. With him being extension eligible, is is that something the Bulls will entertain? Will they wait to see? And part B of that is if they do extend him, that three million dollar guaranteed would automatically become fully guaranteed. Correct. Uh, yeah, it would be. Uh, so what they would do is, yeah, that would become fully guaranteed, presuming the years they add on are all guaranteed, which they likely would be. So I think what you're looking at for Alex Caruso is you're going to be in a spot where you wait until next year because you can always do it next year um, with, with him and add on the years after that. And he may say, nah, let's wait and see if I can, because he may be a guy who might be looking at him being like, you know what, even though I'll be in my 30s when I hit free agency, I might still be able to get $15 million a year as an all-defense level player. So that might be where that one goes. I think the other thing with if you're the Bulls that you want to really consider is we could be in a spot where, you know, a year from now, going into the 2024 offseason, let's say Lonzo Ball can't make it back and he does medically retire and that money comes off their books. They could be sitting there saying, hey, we got – you know, wipe out even Caruso's salary and eat that three million. We effectively have Zach Levine at forty three million and Dalen Terry on his third year rookie scale uh, of his rookie scale deal at three point five million, and that's it on our books. If they were able to keep Vucevic's contract and not do any long term deals, so they might be looking at saying, "Hey, we can kind of really run this back very short term." And see what it looks like. And then we can almost wipe the slate clean, rebuild fully around Zach Levine, or even trade Zach Levine and completely bottom this thing out and start fully over around a whole new roster. So that's another reason why you wait on extending Caruso. All right. Anything else we need to know about the Chicago Bulls? Uh, keep an eye on Io Desunmu in uh, restricted free agency. He did hit starter criteria, so uh, his his uh, qualifying offer and cap hold will bump up to about $5.2 million. Um, so I think we're in a position where that's probably enough to – teams aren't going to be jumping at Io Desunmu, but if you're a team that really needs a backup kind of combo guard who can run your offense if you need him to but could be a really good bench player – a team could put the Bulls in a difficult spot with one of those arenas uh, level sheets. He's not obviously going to be at the Austin Reeves level. Um, Austin Reeves is just, you know, 
making more money by the day the longer this Lakers playoff run goes. But uh, with Dasunmu, you may see a team jump in. Or Kobe White is another guy who's in an interesting place where a team could look at him and say, all right, what do the Bulls do here? And the Bulls may uh, say, all right, he got a, you know, not even a great offer sheet, but something around the MLE amount. And they may say, yeah, that's too rich for us. We're going to let him go. So I think they're going to lose one of those two guards this summer. I'm just not sure which one. All right. Uh, Oklahoma City Thunder is our next team uh, to talk about here. They are a fun team. (laughs) They're young. I love the direction that this team is going, especially after coming off the last couple seasons of what are they going to do with SGA? Are they going to move him? Is he going to be okay with the direction that they're going? Seems like the direction that they're going is the correct direction. Uh, You know, they have him locked up. Uh, he starts, uh, or he's in the second year of his five-year designated rookie max extension. They've got Lou Dort locked up. Chet Holgram didn't play at all last season, so that's like getting a draft pick all over again to to start. But he actually, you know, has been able to study the game off the court for a year. Yeah, Josh Giddy. I mean, I could go. Through, this roster is just packed full. I really love this team. So because they're so full, they have so many rookies and they're going in a certain direction, their roster is really full. What direction does the Oklahoma City Thunder need to go in at at this point, do you think? Yeah, I'm really glad you talked about the fullness of their roster because what that allows them to do is, you know, they're they're pending what happens in the lottery and we're recording this, you know, on the uh, day of the lottery. So, uh, you know, if they jump way up in the draft, then – you know, that that could change things. But pending, you know, that, they're going to be sitting probably in the range of 30-ish million or so in cap space uh, ne- next uh, summer. Um, you know, uh, probably somewhere between 25 and 33 is my guess. So that's why I'm kind of splitting the difference and calling it 30-ish. But let's just say 30. They have maybe one or two roster spots to fill. That is awesome. Because that allows you to go out and target almost anybody. You're not going to be in the mix for probably Chris Middleton, James Harden, Kyrie Irving. Because one, that's not where you're looking to go just yet. Not those players probably aren't looking to go there. And they're not going to want to give them those long-term deals giving, given what they've been uh, in their franchise history. But what that allows you to do is if you want to go get, let's, I'm just because we just talked about them. Let's say they said, you know what, we really want Chet Holmgren at the four. Um, we feel like his position long-term is the four, and we want to bring in a five. They could go say to Nick Vucevic, hey, you want $30 million for the next two years? And that's probably an overpay. Not even probably, that is an overpay. But it's fine because it's not going to hurt them at all. They, they don't lose anything by doing that because it's not like you are kidding the summer with 30 million in cap space and, you know, seven roster spots to fill. You've only got one or two. I always go back to different cap environment, of course, but the Philadelphia 76ers, when they'd kind of said, all right, it's time to move forward. It's time to start winning. They had a bunch of cap flexibility and they overpaid JJ Redick at the time. They gave him, I believe it was $19 million for a one year deal. And everybody's like, that's crazy, $19 million. But it was one year, and it was because Philly said, we don't have 20 roster spots to fill. We only got to fill a few. Let's give most of our cap space to a guy who fills a targeted need. So if you're the Thunder, you could go fill that targeted need, 
whatever you determine that need to be and go get that guy and move forward with all your kids. You took your step forward season already. They almost made it into the playoffs. So you did that already. And now, you know, here we are, we're, we're here, we're ready. One more guy. We're probably in the playoff mix for real next season as a top 16, never mind being down, you know, kind of messing around in the playing tournament again. Yeah. And on top of that, they just acquired, pick after pick after pick after pick yep. and you continue i mean they're they have picks from the cp trade cp3 trade the paul george trade uh whatever else is you know in there they've got so many picks so they are in a really good position not only going into this season but for the next five or six seasons where you could trade a piece here you still have picks so you can really revolve and rotate or whatever the right adjective is moving forward with this team because they can move something off and have something come in on the backside. And if any of those picks in, you know, four or five years from now that they're going to get from, you know, uh, you know, 76ers or uh, uh, Utah or the Clippers, if any of those teams just have a bad season, and they end up getting a lottery pick out of it, then they're just able to bring in right behind who they already have. So I really like the the roster construction standpoint of this team where they've not only been able to really develop their own guys and, and pay them as they've gotten better, but they have stuff that can come in right behind and just fill in depending on where those picks are. Yeah, and the important thing with the draft picks, too, is we saw a year ago at the draft, they targeted Usman Jang. They really wanted him. So what they did was, because of the you know, overwhelming amount of picks, they gave up their own, They let's see, they gave up a, a when uh, Jang was drafted by the Knicks, and this was all prearranged, but they gave up a, bunch of picks on top of that they gave up three picks on top of that uh plus their 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 pick to go up to get jang uh in that or or at least another pick that they own i can't remember it was exactly their own uh there because they had a bunch of picks but they overpaid because they could because i think what sam presti is at the point is i can't roster all these guys even in the second round a couple years ago they wanted to get Jeremiah Robinson Earl in the second round. So they gave up, you know, a bunch of picks just to move up a couple picks, um, you know, in that second round. I think they gave up two extra picks to do that. And when you do that, those kind of things, that shows I can't roster all these guys. It, it sounds awesome to have, you know, 25 draft picks over like a short period of time, but there's still only 15 standard roster spots on a roster. So what Presti is starting to do now is package those picks together to move up in the draft and get the guys that they really target and want. And that that's, that's a great place to be. And they're still going to be in that on top of what you mentioned of sitting there and waiting to see, Hey, do, you know, does this whole thing fall apart here? You know, uh, from Houston, from, uh, uh, the LA Clippers, you know, and if they do, we're kind of sitting here on a couple of their picks moving forward and we're going to be in great shape with those ones as well. So it's a really good place to be in with great cap flexibility, great young talent on the roster. That's only going to continue to get better and all the draft picks. I mean, they, they are just in, in, in an outstanding place. Yeah, they really are. And that's why I wanted to bring up the whole draft pick part, because you're right. It, 
the flexibility to move up to get who you want instead of just having to wait and hope that somebody drops down is invaluable, especially in a, in a draft that only has two rounds, 30 picks in each round. In the NFL, you know, they've got seven rounds and they get comp picks so the teams can acquire a bit more um, from that standpoint. But in the NBA, where if you really want a player and you have those assets to trade to move up to get them, you need to do it because you may miss out on that boat. Um, so with the with the twelfth pick as of right now, quotes because the lottery is going to happen. If they do land in the twelfth pick, what are your thoughts on that? My thought is it's most likely going to be a, like a draft and stash kind of pick, but. Is that some something you don't think would happen? Do you think they would just trade out of that? What are your thoughts from that? Because we've just said they have so many on their roster and we haven't even gotten to free agency. Yeah, and let me set that that part of it with the roster. They have one unrestricted free agent. That's it. <laughs> it's Dario Saric. Everybody else can be under contract for next season. So, so you have somewhere between one and maybe two or three open roster spots because all the other guys, they're guys they like. So, so, so you basically, you could, you could, if you wanted to do nothing else, go into next year, replace Sarge with the guy you draft in the first round. And there it is. There's your roster and you're moving forward, looking exactly the same as it did a year ago. I don't think that's how it'll play out. I think, you know, we're going to see some, some other movement because they've got a couple guys who are coming up eligible for new contracts and the like. So that'll probably be something that they may look to do. But I think at 12, what you do is the, if you're sitting there, that's a good pick, but it's not a great pick. So you're kind of in the middle of the first round. You could say, all right, who's the best European player? Um, or overseas player, and we're going to draft him. And if he stays overseas for a year, it's not the end of the world. Or you could look to trade it if you really wanted to go a different way, because that's the other thing, right? That thirty million in cap space, you can use that via trade too. If there was somebody you really wanted to go get, um, the likelihood of them drafting a player that's going to come right onto the roster, it's it's probably split into thirds, right? It's probably about a one third that happens, one third they trade it, one third they you know do a draft and stash kind of deal there so i I, i'm really you know not certain if they stick at 12 you know where they'll go because it's a little hard to say you know all right this is the guy because we don't you know it's still early enough in the draft process i'm still trying to figure out and feel out who will be there for them you know if that is where they draft so and then you know is that really what you want to do because now you've kind of locked into your roster uh or the other thing that happens when you do that is um, we saw this happen with uh, the San Antonio Spurs a year ago. You start having to wave guys that you kind of like, and that's not really where you want to be either. So you just get into a little bit of a tricky spot. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see, but I, you know, again, they control it, right? It's their, their complete flexibility to kind of do whatever it is they want to do at that spot. So if we get the free agency, is there – a specific player that you have in mind that would fit really well on this Oklahoma city thunder roster, obviously, like you just said, you might have to move someone off uh, to fill them in, but who, who is someone that you think they should target? Uh, you, you mentioned JJ Redick, you overpay a little bit just to get him in, especially with that veteran presence. So do you have someone specific in mind? 
Yeah, I wouldn't, you know, it, a lot of this probably depends, and I don't have a great sense of how they feel about Chet Holmgren. Is he going to be a five or is he going to be a four? If they feel like, yeah, we can play him at the four, well then, you know, yeah, you could pay overpay Vucevic. What if you really wanted to go make a run at Brook Lopez? You know, that could be a guy you could could maybe go get. And that would be, you know, kind of an interesting almost mentor too for Holmgren of, you know, the big who shoots and, you know, steps outside and does all those things. If you think he's more of a five, you know, could they you know, wind it all the way back to somebody that they had before and go get a guy like Jeremy Grant? Um, you know, could, could you get in the mix for uh, the restricted free agents like PJ Washington or Grant Williams? Um, you know, could, if, if you could pry him away from the Kings, what about a guy like Harrison Barnes? If you feel like, all right, you know, we're going to slot Holmgren in at the five, we drop Barnes in, then, you know, everybody else kind of pushes down a spot. It's probably Jalen Williams. Uh, Lou Dort probably goes to the bench is almost like a super stopper off your bench. And then you've got Gideon SGA rounding out your rotation, but they've got a ton of flexibility. And a lot of that has to do with the kind of the unknownness of what, um, Holmgren may be. And then, you know, obviously it's all, everything's still kind of shaken out right here from the playoffs. So, you know, does somebody who's on a playoff team kind of fall out of love with one of their guys and say, you know what, Hey, we're, we're willing to talk about, you know, player X in a trade that we weren't necessarily expecting uh, to be available you know, in a trade. And then could you jump on a guy like that? And you know, kind of go like, what if new Orleans said, you know, we really got to clear some, some uh some flexibility under the tax what do you think about jonas valanchunas you know and then you could say yeah we could go with him and roll him out with holmgren next to him and kind of say all right yeah let's go that direction or if portland says we're going to reset and we, we want to move off of yusuf nurkic um that could be a guy you could go get if you wanted to go at that position if atlanta was like hey you want to talk John Collins? You know, well, what do you, what do you guys think? And you just kind of eat his salary and then say, all right, Holmgren's going to be our, um, our five man. Let's drop John Collins. in. there's a ton of options. These guys can go because they've given themselves all that flexibility uh, to be able to do that. So that's, that's where, you know, as you kind of look at it, you, you're like, man, there's just, you know, I just rattled off like five different ways you could go <laughs> in free agency or trade. And, you know, if we, if we had another two hours, Scott, we could keep going, but it's, you know, there's a lot of stuff these guys can do. I love it. As you're rattling them off, I'm like, oh my God, that would be great. That would be right? awesome. <laughs> and I, the more we talk about this team, the more I'm excited to see them next season and see where they can go. Because yeah. with the way the West is right now, and uh, you know, there could be quite a bit of a shakeup in some of these teams it, for a team that, is the arrow is pointing up and up and up. I'm really excited to see what they end up doing, whether it's in the draft or a trade. And this could be a team that makes a trade, you know, at June 28th and, and wouldn't be surprised because, you know, there's always that random weird trade that happens in between the draft and into leading into free agency. But I'm super excited for this team. I'm looking forward to watching them as much as I can because they are a fun team just to watch on a game-to-game basis. Um, so with that being said, is there anything else we should know about the Oklahoma City Thunder moving forward? Yeah, the, the, the only thing I would add in with this one is I would keep an eye on a guy like Alexei Pokashevsky. He's $5 million next year, final year of his rookie-scale deal. He'll be uh, you know, extension eligible for the first time this summer. 
it's not going to happen because he just hasn't shown enough. But do they just out of roster spot considerations? Is that where they they kind of say right, we're going to cut ties and move along here uh, from him just because then then you avoid the whole thing you kind of could move him and let if another team says yeah we want to bet on him with a rookie scale extension you let them kind of do that 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 could be the direction that goes but yeah it's it is you know and then i'll say too we've mentioned it before but chet holmgren is coming and even if he's just good like rookie good um next season you're you know what a bonus right because because you you already took this major step forward without him and now you know you're you're gonna get him in there and you've still got you know time with him on his rookie deal giddy's on his rookie deal jalen williams the the wing guard jalen williams is on his your rookie deal the other jalen williams showed quite a bit as a part-time starter and then you've got kenrich williams because apparently that all i'm gonna ask is just don't add another williams we just don't need that like no no more williamses for the oklahoma city thunder all right, moving on to the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, this team, again, I don't know what to think of this team. In such a uh, weird, interesting calamity of a season that they had. Uh, they they have Ben Simmons. We know that situation. He still has two years left on his contract. Uh, you got. M- Mikael Bridges, who they traded for, three years left on his contract. Spencer Dinwiddie and Joe Harris, they have one year left, but they're both also extension eligible. Uh, They traded and uh, received uh, Dorian Finney-Smith in the Kyrie trade. Keith, what are the Brooklyn (laughs) Nets? What are they doing? Where are they going? I'm I'm scratching my head on this team. Well, they're resetting right in a big, big way. They've got all those picks coming from the Durant and Kyrie trades. So that's great, right? Because even if the Suns under Matt Ishbia's ownership become a consistently good team, they're still an older team. It's still not a team that you know maybe is built for the next you know seven years of success. It's probably a shorter term window there than it may look like, and there's already signs of you know major changes coming. And anytime you start making major roster changes, there's you know it can definitely go sideways on you. So I think you know obviously if you're the Nets, you're thinking yeah hey let's let's uh you know, watch that whole thing fall apart there. Uh, you want to pick from Dallas, which is pretty far out, but but you still got it, right? You you still have control over that pick. Mikael Bridges, awesome, right? He is great. Uh, he's he's easily the single best asset on this roster by far and away. I think your challenge is everything else is eh, okay. To uh, that's not very good. Um, you know the you mentioned like Dinwiddie and Joe Harris. That's forty million combined for two guys that are, you know, they're fine. Oddly enough, right, the two kind of shining jewels of when the Nets went diamond mining uh, before, and those two guys got their second and third chances with Brooklyn, and then ultimately made good. And now you're kind of on the back end of like, all right, we kind of got everything we can get out of that. Dorian Finney-Smith, he's fine. Like, no, no issue with that. His contract is also fine. Uh, Nick Claxton. He's turned out to be pretty good, but now he's only got one year left at nine point six million. Uh, won't be extension eligible, so that's a that big thing. He'll be an unrestricted free agent, so you're gonna have to work through that. So now you're kind of, I think, what you you really turn your eyes to if you're a Nets fan is, all right, this upcoming season, whatever will be, will be. 
right? We're, we're going to kind of, you know, this is going to be our figure it out season in a lot of ways. And you know, do we move on from Harris or Dinwiddie? Can we move on from those guys? Um, that, but you're really looking at the summer of 2024. And as you kind of go down the capture, you're like, all right, you know, Bridges at 23 million. That's pretty good. Finney Smith, 15 million, not the end of the world. Uh, but we get a couple rookies. Oh, Ben Simmons. And that's where it all kind of sticks, right? And just, it just, you, you're kind of looking at it. It's like, all right, this is a bad, the contracts I don't like, they're shorter term. And, you know, they'll be out of there within a year. And then the guys I do like, they've got kind of signed long-term. But then it's Simmons, $78 million the next two seasons for what exactly? We don't know, right? Is he even going to play? Is you know, What's that going to look like? Uh, there was all these rumors that he might play for Team Australia this season. Wasn't even named to the provisional roster. So that looks like it's probably not going to happen so then it becomes a total guessing game of when does this guy ever get back on the court and if he can't get back on the court that's one thing they've learned how to play without him and you can write that off what you can't write off is 37.9 million next year 40.3 million the year after those can't be written off those are going to be sitting on your cap sheet and you're just going to have to figure out how to deal with it one way or the other that or you yeah one way or the other of either you play them and just deal with it. Or at, when you get to the 24, 25 season, you find the team that has the most cap space that you can send them to <laughs> with a pick or two and yeah. let them eat it and buy him out and deal with that situation uh, and then move forward from there. Um, what, what other areas of need do the, the Brooklyn Nets need to focus on then, whether it's free agency, if they can make a, another trade, um, what direction should they go? Yeah, everything, right? I, I don't like, and I don't mean that to be snarky by any means, but they just need everything, right? They, You've got Mikhail Bridges, who is a uh, two, three wing, uh, really good player, awesome defensive player, uh, very, you know, coming into his own as an offensive player. So you've got him, you've got Dorian Finney-Smith, probably more four than three, but, you know, nice combo forward player. Nobody else other than I hopefully maybe Nick Claxton and they'll have bird rights on him. So maybe they can get him uh, signed to a nice deal after this one runs out. There's nobody else on that roster. I think you're looking at is, yeah, this guy's a, you know, surefire part of our core moving forward. So, you know, you, you can basically whatever comes your way uh, this summer, they, those are, it should all be under consideration, right? I, I purposely have left him out to this point because he's a restricted free agent. But you got to get Cam Johnson re-signed because he is kind of, well, behind Bridges in the unknown. You can place the unknown in the picks wherever you want in the pecking order. But Cam Johnson is your next best asset. He's really good, can really score the ball, can do a lot of things. So I think you, know, you get him re-signed to a reasonable number, probably something at this point with the potential he's shown as a scorer and he did bounce back quite well from the injury he had, he's probably going to make 20 to 25 million in first year salary next year. But you get those two guys locked in over the next three to four seasons and you're fine. And, you know, as long as you don't go too crazy uh, with, with the contract for Johnson, you're, you're in really good shape. And then it's just like you said, finding a spot to dump Simmons or finding a place where, 
all right, hey, you've got a guy who you isn't really working out for you uh, there. You do have those extra picks now from the Suns and the extra pick from the Mavs, so you could start to throw those into a deal with Simmons to plus up an offer to go get somebody. So you're in, you're not in bad shape by any means, but Shaw Marks is now, instead of cleaning up the mess he stepped into when he came in, he is now cleaning up the mess he was a big part of making. Um, so, you know, he's got to probably get that done within the next year or two. Otherwise, it's going to be somebody else who's going to be doing the cleanup. Joe Harris at almost $20 million. Has, has that been a a good contract that the, the Nets have signed him? He originally, it was four years, $75 million free agent contract. Is that still holding up or is that a player that they may look to move off of? Yeah, it started out fine. It, it's not now. Now it's turned into just a, a mess because he, he hasn't been healthy and he can't stay on the floor. And if he can't stay on the floor, it you're now sitting at $60 million for him and Ben Simmons of just dead money sitting on the roster for guys who can't play. I mean, last season, let me make sure I get this right. He did play in 74 games, but he was kind of limited and somewhat out of the rotation. Now, if he can come back to where he was two seasons ago when he led the league in three-point shooting and he can actually stay on the floor and be a playable guy all year, it's not bad, right? $20 million for a 40-plus percent three-point shooter that can be out there all the time, you're probably in pretty good shape. Uh, the challenge has been just that you know, staying on the floor part of it has become kind of messy. And then some of that was probably – semi-driven by hey we we now have bridges and johnson and we want to see what they look like after they made the trades of durant and irving so that's probably where he you know didn't see as many minutes but it's just in a tricky spot with, with that contract because of that inability um you know potentially to, to be a full-time rotation player if he can be it's fine for the final year that, that'll run out and then you kind of go from there that Ben Simmons just sticks out. And all I can think <laughs> about is the Nets wish the amnesty clause still existed yeah. so that they could get rid of that easily. Um, Seth Curry, he's a free agent. Um, he has a cap hold, $16 million. So is is he a player that we should expect to be back on this roster, or is he going to go try to find another team that is going to be more of a contender moving forward? Yeah, I think he catches on with somebody who's like, hey, we have a bench shooter role for you, you know, 15, 20 minutes a night, come in and just shoot. And that that's what what, what we can do for you. Probably probably somewhere around the MLE is my guess is what, what he's going to get. And I just think if you're the Nets, you're basically saying, all right, well, we have Joe Harris who can do that. Um, if we need another smallish guard, we still have Patty Mills on this roster uh, for next year at 6.8 million. We've got Cam Thomas who had moments at, at times of, you know, he uh, still, you know, probably still taking shots. He shouldn't take, even though their season ended a few weeks ago. Um, but that that's where I think just the you know, roster and then just why would we pay this guy when we don't even know what we're transitioning into those things together, probably squeeze him off the Nets roster. The Kevin Durant trade, and I, I scrolled down and I just saw this, and I, it's my fault for not bringing up more with some of these other teams with the trade exceptions, but Kevin Durant has a uh, – the Nets got a Kevin Durant trade exception, $18 million. 
So they could potentially use that to bring in two people or one large eight, up to $18 million salary there. Do you, do you expect that they may use that large trade exception to, to help their roster? Yeah, I think they could. The challenge is if you do it, you're going to push into being a tax team, uh, most likely barring you know something really unexpected. Now, they may be above the tax line anyway when they re-sign Cam Johnson. That's probably going to be how that plays out. As an aside, I wouldn't be fully shocked if you saw them do what they could to maybe uh, move on from Royce O'Neal. Uh, just just to, just to free up a little bit more flexibility under the tax line um, because they, they, they just don't have that much. I, uh, as I look at it, yeah, they're only about $5 million under the tax as it stands right now. So that gets to be a really kind of tricky spot. So it's probably unlikely that they use the Durant trade exception. That probably is a, hey, let's hang on to it till we're right around the trade deadline, see what we look like, and then we'd have a really nice – uh, bargaining chip. They've also got two first round draft picks coming in, uh, 24, 21 and 22 uh, is where they'll pick at in this upcoming draft. So, so yeah, so they're, they're going to be in a spot where, you know, it's probably best to just hang on to that, that, uh, you know, use your draft picks, maybe grab a player with a taxpayer MLE signing, and then just kind of build it out from there um, around, you know, the, the new core of Bridges, Johnson, and, you know, whatever else they get moving forward. All right. Outside of that, any anything else we need to know about the Brooklyn Nets? Yeah, you to Watanabe is a free agent who I really kind of like. I, I think you know, he's the kind of guy who you could throw him on any one of the good teams in the league and basically say, "Hey, do your thing. Play with super duper energy. You know, run all around the floor, doing all sorts of stuff, and you know, it, you're great." But you're already in a spot where it's like perfect. You know, you did exactly what we wanted you to do. You know, do that. And he's improved his shooting enough that he could probably stay on the floor for a lot of teams too. But I and I think there's just not really a place for him on this Nets team uh, moving forward. And then it's Sean Marks. Uh, you know, with a very you know powerful and rich ownership group still. So you know, wouldn't so fully surprise me if we see like, hey, the Nets are getting involved in doing something bigger. I, I don't necessarily expect it, but I think you know. Because they have the Simmons uh, salary, not Simmons the player, but the Simmons salary of roughly $40 million. Uh, that plus all the draft picks, that puts you in a lot of conversations you might not be in otherwise. All right. This is great, Keith. Uh, Brooklyn Nets, Oklahoma City Thunder, Chicago Bulls. Talked a little lottery. Jason Brown, Jason Tatum. Or, sorry, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. <laughs> Freudian slip there. Um, so what do we've got next? I know. Uh, I'll be posting the Pelicans write-up uh, for this for today. What else is coming next? Yeah, we've got the write-ups for the three teams we just talked, the Bulls, the Thunder, and the Nets coming after that. You know, the Nets are the first of the playoff teams to, to that, that we're getting into. So then we get into, and the playoff teams are a little more fun because we get a little bit of a sense of, all right, this is what they did on the biggest stage. So following them, probably on our next show, we'll probably hit teams like the Timberwolves, the Clippers, and the Cavs. Um, really, you know, star-laden groups that made all-in trades all three of those teams and you know really kind of fun and interesting spots and then kind of looming after that 
shockingly still, even though, you know, it's a couple weeks old, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, would be next as far as teams that were eliminated because uh, they were bounced so early by the Miami Heat. So, yeah, a lot of, lot of off-season previews to come. We've got, uh, you know, written previews on the site, which I'm sure then we'll talk about on the show is uh, I'm going to go through and I'll do predictions on all of the options that ahead of uh, the, the uh, you know, option deadlines next, next month for all of those uh, in June. And then um, – uh, all the non-guarantees and what happened might happen with all those contracts and all that. So we get a ton of stuff coming, uh, updated cap space uh, projections coming following the lottery tonight, uh, especially if there's major changes and major movement in the lottery. So a lot of stuff, the off season will be here a month and a half to go uh, before the off season is upon us, which is hard to believe in and of itself. It is awesome. Playoffs draft lottery, uh, upcoming free agency this time of year is even though there's not a lot of physical transactions happening uh, it's just a lot of different things going on and it, it's great to see um, one last thing I want to mention is we launched a new multi-year view um, to the uh, NBA team pages so go ahead and take a look at that the tiles you can click see if uh, more information we've got when Players are extension eligible, um, so we've beefed up that view much more than it was. So hopefully, it'll help paint the picture a bit better. Um, anything else, Keith? No, I think we're good. I, I think right. we're in a really good, good, good place with that. Yeah, the multi-year view is awesome. Uh, getting really great feedback on that. So you know, everybody, make sure you go check that out as well. All right. Uh, if you need to get in contact with Keith at Keith Smith NBA. For Keith Smith, I am Scott Allen. Thanks for listening to the NBA Next Podcast.